Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast on Radio MD, iHeart, or wherever you downloaded us from. This is episode 1094B. The Bs are always great guests, like Dr. Abramson promises to be. We'll rate him at the end, obviously. And um, who talk about things that are important to you and your family. Um, and if you have a guest you'd like us to invite on, you can always send me questions at greatagereboot.com. That's questions at greatagereboot.com or info at greatagereboot.com. Dr. Um, Martin Abramson, who is the co-author of this book, and by the way, the website is Conquer Your Diabetes, one word, no spaces, Conquer, C-O-N-Q-U-E-R, your, Y-O-U-R, diabetes, D-I-A-B-E-T-E-S, dot com is a book they that Dr. Abramson and Sanjiv Chopra, C-H-O-P-R-A, who's a professor of medicine and the faculty dean for continuing education at Harvard Medical School for 12 years. Martin Abramson is a associate professor and chief medical officer in the past at the Jocelyn Diabetes Center, both in and near Boston. Together, they direct the Division of Continuing Medical Education at Boston's Beth Israel Deepkinus Medical Center, um, which is where I actually did my internal medicine training way back when Beth Israel and Deaconess were two separate places. Um, I did it, obviously, at the Beth Israel in Boston, um, or what we know as the House of God. Um, the uh, from the book, um, and since the House of God was one of my interns, I can say that, who wrote the, the House of God book. Um, Conquer Your Diabetes is a book that talks about, um, well, I'm going to get to it, on, on whether it's for type 1 or type 2 or the other types of diabetes and how they help patients master and really get rid of in many cases, their diabetes. First, I've got to tell you that we are sponsored by um, Life's First Naturals, lifesfirstnaturals.com, an S before the dot, the naturals, um, which are the makers of a product called bovine colostrum as well as Truebiotics. The bovine colostrum has multiple randomized controlled trials showing its benefit in um, decreasing the effects of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, including aspirin, on gut and gut length and health, as well as on what is now termed leaky gut from overexercise as well um, in marathons and other uh, processes. And since the recent Boston Marathon, I can say that all those people should have been taking two grams of bovine colostrum. Maybe you should, too, have your physician look at the data on non-steroidal, if you're on a non-steroidal, or take even baby aspirin routinely. But let's now get to Dr. Martin Abramson. Thanks very much for coming on. And let's talk about why you wrote this book. 
Well, thank you very much for inviting me onto the program. Uh, I'm honored to be with you and honored to chat to you today. Uh, we wrote the book primarily to uh, tell people with or at risk for diabetes, and there's many, many millions of those in the country and abroad over the world, that uh, diabetes doesn't define who you are. Diabetes doesn't control who you are. You can control your diabetes. Um, that if you have, uh, and this book is geared for people with both type 1 and type 2 diabetes, if you have type 2 diabetes, if you have type 1 diabetes, you can certainly control the diabetes. You cannot cure type 1 diabetes, but you can get type 2 diabetes into remission, uh, and you can prevent the development of type 2 diabetes if you're at risk for type 2 diabetes. Um, and so we wrote the book to tell people uh, about diabetes, to tell people what diabetes is, but more importantly, to include stories um, uh, of patients of ours who have really taken control of their diabetes or have actually reversed their diabetes or got their diabetes into remission um, because of the way they live their lives. And of course, obviously, if they have to take medications because of the, uh, because of the medications and the type of medications that they they are on. Uh, we also included um, uh, interesting data on coffee and how coffee has many health benefits. We, we include a chapter on the microbiome. We spoke about leaky gut a few minutes ago. Well, the microbiome is this 100 trillion uh, bacteria that live in our bowels and uh, do affect disease states and um, changing the microbiome can certainly help improve disease states. There's a lot of lot we need to learn about that. We haven't learned uh, it all yet, but of a long way. And then, of course, we speak about stem cells for type 1 diabetes and the promise potentially of stem cells. But more importantly, we talk about the new tools to manage diabetes, uh, the new glucose monitoring devices, the glucose sensing devices, the pumps that um, for people primarily with type 1 diabetes, but a select few people with type 2 diabetes that can facilitate uh, improvement in glucose control. Uh, and of course, diet and exercise being the cornerstone of therapy and how people can focus on just small amounts of weight loss, uh, regular uh, moderate intensity exercise and how beneficial those, those aspects of lifestyle modification can be not just for glucose control, but for blood pressure control, for cholesterol control, uh, for basically improving longevity. Um, Dr. Abramson, I've almost got to stop you before you go through the whole book. Um, but anyway, <laughs> the, yeah, but it is a great tour de force. One of the things I love about the book is that each chapter you start with a quote. And chapter one starts, attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference, a quote from Winston Churchill. And Vince Lombardi, winners never quit and quitters never win uh, by Vince Lombardi. Um, so... Let me go, and um, what you're, I think, talking about there is that you should understand that this is a continual process, and your motivation to control it, uh, to defeat it, if you will, as a lot of type 2 diabetes um, can be reversed, and we're even seeing with... Uh, um, the fasting mimicking diet that it can even be in type 1 
because of the apparent regrowth of, of pancreatic beta cells that occurs with it, maybe even type 1 is at least partially um, reversible now. So, and, and you've talked about the, the hope of stem cells. So before we get there, let's talk about the basics. Um, the, um, so you mentioned diet, exercise, I think stress control, um, as well as, um, if you will, uh, simple things like coffee. Go through those for, for a second, would you? Right. Let, let's first um, tell the audience that there is a difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Uh, type 1 diabetes is what we call an autoimmune disease. Uh, the body destroys the insulin-producing cells of the, in the pancreas, the so-called beta cells. And for practical purposes, people on, with type 1 diabetes need insulin to stay alive. Um, but in addition to taking insulin, if they watch their diet carefully, uh, if they exercise regularly, they, that can certainly make a huge difference in controlling their diabetes. Type 2 diabetes is a, is a different ballgame in many ways. Uh, because in type 2 diabetes, we have two major issues going on. The one is that insulin just doesn't work effectively in the body. That's a condition we call insulin resistance. What goes hand in hand with insulin resistance is weight gain, obesity. Then in, in addition to that, we have the problem that the pancreatic beta cells just don't make enough insulin to overcome this resistance. So the beta cells begin to fail. And that combination leads to high glucoses. Now, People with type 2 diabetes can control their diabetes many times just with diet and weight loss, with exercise as well, obviously. Uh, and in fact, there are people with type 2 diabetes who've gotten their diabetes into so-called remission uh, with weight loss. So that is a type 2 diabetes is, is a condition that can be managed with diet and exercise. But if diet and exercise are not sufficient to control it, there are terrific new medications in particular that not only lower glucose. Let's start and say, um, what's the role then of the continuous glucose monitor in people with prediabetes and in uh, type, early type 2 diabetes in helping them either reverse or manage it? And, and what do you mean by diet? So, Let's start with the second question first. What I mean by diet, there isn't a single one-size-fits-all diet, as we point out in our book. There are different dietary approaches that people have tried over the years. And unfortunately, the, the studies have, many studies have shown that people who go on sort of crash diets tend to regain weight. So the big challenge with people with diabetes is weight loss and maintaining that weight loss. There are different approaches. Some people use an approach called intermittent fasting, which has been shown in select individuals, in certain individuals, but again, no large clinical trials, but they're certainly gaining evidence that people who follow the so-called intermittent fasting, where they basically have no calories for 14 or 16 hours in the day, and then they can eat during the other time of the day, they can lose weight, their diabetes can go into remission. People who lose weight with low-carbohydrate diets uh, or what we call keto diets can also get their diabetes into remission. Um, people, the, the most important thing about a so-called diet is one that you, the individual, can stick to and maintain. 
And there are a couple of broad principles about diets. One is try to avoid as much as possible processed foods, things like, you know, white flour, uh, cakes, cookies, those kind of processed, what we call carbohydrates and sweets. Have grains, whole grains that are healthier whole grains, um, whole wheat bread if you're going to have bread. Have fish have ve- uh, and chicken more so than meat. Have vegetables. Have some fruits. Um, these are the components actually of a Mediterranean diet. And there's been a lot of data about Mediterranean diets and how Mediterranean diets can help improve glucose control, can lower the risk for cardiovascular disease as well. But the most important thing about a diet is what can you, the, the individual, follow that can help you lose weight and keep that weight off. The second thing you spoke about was the continuous glucose monitor. Now, we don't routinely recommend continuous glucose monitoring for people at risk for diabetes. Um, We do use continuous glucose monitors uh, for people who have diabetes and the more uh, sort of complex their medical therapy, the more the necessity to have multiple tests of glucose and the fact that you can now attach a, a, a glucose monitor, a little sensor onto your arm or in your, on your abdomen um, and wear it for 10, 14 days at a time and not have to prick your finger and continually be able to test you and see what your blood sugar is, is a phenomenal advance for people because it can not only tell them about um, what their glucose is, but it can give them instant feedback about what they've eaten, what the impact that the, that food has had on their uh, on their blood glucose. It can tell them what what exercise has done to lower their glucose, how much exercise has helped them, and so on and so forth. So um, those kind of tools have really made things a lot easier for people with diabetes and helped them take further charge of their own destiny, so to speak, rather than sort of letting the whole diabetes situation control them. And um, exercise is important. One of the things, I don't have diabetes or pre-diabetes, but I did put on a continuous glucose monitor for 14 days to see what foods did to my own glucose levels. I was surprised to find that when I ate more than two grapes at a time, it raised my glucose level significantly. And the other thing that I was really surprised with, and and maybe I shouldn't have been, um, but was that after I did an exercise pattern, uh, and um, I I do fairly hard exercise three days a week, uh, but after I did that, I never used to cool down meaning I never continued the exercise after I got to a maximum um, intensity and then stopped. And in that stopping period, I was really surprised my glucose level, um, which is normally in the the 85 to 90 range, um, and when I'm fasting, I expected it to go lower, but instead it went to 150 to 170. And so I have resumed a cool down period um, I don't know whether that shows I have insulin resistance in an occult fashion or not, even though I have a low baseline insulin level. So, um, but I was surprised. And, and um, does that indicate that I'm pre-diabetic or does that indicate um, 
that I have, is that a normal finding after exercise? Yeah, well, so first of all, I don't think it indicates that you have prediabetes, and I don't think it's an indicator of insulin resistance. I think what, what the important thing you mentioned here with the part of, aspect of cooling down is when we exercise, we do make other hormones in our body that um, uh, have some, and, uh, some opposite effect of insulin. So stress hormones, for example, you, one, one's heard of epinephrine or adrenaline. Um, you put out adrenaline when you exercise, and if you don't cool down, presumably those adrenaline levels stay up. Those adrenaline levels may actually antagonize the effect of insulin temporarily and cause the blood sugar to creep up a little bit temporarily. But I, don't, I think what you're describing is something that's sort of normal physiology, so to speak, and I wouldn't be as concerned about it. For the most part, people who exercise regularly and those people who have diabetes can see a lowering of the glucose. And the, the way that that works is that the exercise helps the insulin work more effectively in the body. So for people um, who have uh, insulin resistance as part of their diabetes, the insulin that they make is generally, generally becomes more effective. For people who have type 1 diabetes who give themselves insulin, the insulin that's in their body um, is we're going to work more effectively with exercise and in fact after exercise, some hours after exercise. And so they will see blood sugars generally coming down. So, the, you know, what you're doing is the right thing. You should cool down after an intense exercise to give your body the chance to sort of settle back into the normal state before uh, rather than just abruptly stopping. Yeah, so I have, uh, until that day, I abruptly stopped and I have changed and uh, now try and do a five-minute cool down, which is what was always recommended that I never did. Um, right, right. Let's go and talk a little bit. Um, I We talk a lot on this program about coffee being a superfood and aspirin being a super supplement, if you will. But talk Talk to us since you do have a chapter, um, and uh, Sanjiv Chopra, your co-author, quotable one at the beginning of this chapter where he says, uh, much as I believe that coffee is a superfood, um, tell us about coffee and diabetes. Yeah, so there's been very interesting information because uh, a lot of the, this information comes about through what we call epidemiologic studies. It's studies about population groups and trying to link certain habits or behaviors often with certain clinical conditions. And in the case of coffee, what people have found, in, in, and it's not just in one part of the world, it's in many parts of the world. So it's not like it's a unique thing, say, to the United States or to Europe. It's actually these studies have been done in Europe, China, um, uh, United States, that coffee drinkers have a lower risk for the development of type 2 diabetes. Um, and the more coffee you drink, and it doesn't have to be caffeinated, the more coffee you drink, the lower that risk. So people who drink four to six cups of coffee a day could have an, uh, up to 30 to 50% lower risk for developing type 2 diabetes. Um, second of all, if you have diabetes and you have two, three cups of coffee a day, you lower your risk for the development of cardiovascular disease. And we know that cardiovascular disease is very common in people with diabetes. People with type 2 diabetes in particular are at much higher risk for the development of cardiovascular disease, partly because they also are increasingly, they have a higher likelihood of having abnormal cholesterol levels and high blood pressure 
and, and being part of this what we call metabolic syndrome, which we can come back and talk about. Coffee also has other health benefits beyond just the met metabolic stuff like diabetes and so on. People who drink coffee have been shown to have a lower risk for Alzheimer's disease, less risk for Parkinsonism, and uh, less risk for development of certain cancers as well. We don't know the mechanism. Um, it's not the caffeine because we know that uh, it, it decaffeinated coffee drinkers uh, exhibit many of these benefits as well. But coffee's got hundreds and hundreds of constituents, uh, so it could be any one of those constituents that contribute to this. So coffee is a great food, and it's a great beverage, and uh, um, that's why we included it in the book, because of its connection with diabetes, but also because of its connection with other conditions. We're talking with Martin Abramson, who is co-author of the book, Conquer Your Diabetes, Prevention, Control, Remission. Um, and the website to find out more about it is Conquer Your Diabetes, no punctuation, one word, dot com. Um, let's talk now. I want to get to two more subjects before we end. Um, one of which, and by the way, this is a terrific, comprehensive book. People who um, have prediabetes, diabetes, family member with it, it's even a great gift to give um, a family member. Let me go in and uh, talk more about that. But before we do that, um, you have a newer non-insulin medication subjects. And I also want to get to stem cells and diabetes. But before we get to stem cells, let's talk about the three new medications and their role. Should, uh, should someone who's on, for example, um, who's got type 2 diabetes and is on metformin, should they talk to their physician about switching to one of these newer drugs? Well, you know, the interesting thing is metformin's been around a long time. And um, metformin is a very safe and effective drug. And there are people, although, again, the studies have not been fully concluded, but there are people who believe that metformin even may increase longevity and may have some anti-cancer effects, although the studies need to be confirmed uh, for those findings. Um, for people on metformin, they can actually add other medications that are, that, uh, without increasing their risk of their blood sugar going low. And in actual fact, many of the new guidelines um, have said that if you're on metformin and you have a high risk for cardiovascular disease or you have cardiovascular disease already, you should be on one or other of these newer drugs. Um, one of these drugs are called GLP-1 receptor agonists or incretins, um, and the other class of drug are called SGLT2 inhibitors. They, they work completely differently from each other. The incretin drug, the GLP-1 agonists, we call them, they um, mimic, they are similar to normally found hormones that are produced in the intestine when food enters the stomach. And what these hormones do, these natural hormones, is they help the body produce more insulin. They um, suppress other hormones that block, that block the effect of insulin. One of them is called glucagon. They um, also increase satiety, make people feel full, uh, and they sort of slow the rate of emptying of the stomach. And these um, in, in type 2 diabetes, these, normally, these hormones normally produced are actually de decline. They, they're not as 
They're not produced as effectively as they would be in somebody without diabetes. In addition to these these medications acting like these normal hormones and actually uh, they have other benefits, they actually can facilitate weight loss and they actually also lower the risk of cardiovascular complications too through mechanisms only, beyond glucose control. Are they only, um, are they ever taken orally? Are they in pill form or are they just um, not in pill form? There is one in a pill form and that has to be taken a specific way. Um, it's, a, it's very cleverly um, produced in a way that the acids in the stomach uh, don't digest the medication because these are what we call hormones, peptides. Uh, there is one oral form and the others are injectable forms, but they're injected once a week and can be given so easily that the, the injection is really painless. Um, the other class of medications are, again, a different, uh, uh, work differently. They, they work by preventing the glucose that's filtered through the kidneys from being reabsorbed back into the blood to contribute to the high blood sugars. And so people uh, eliminate glucose through their kidneys. Um, uh, as a consequence of this, it's also been discovered that through mechanisms not clearly understood, these medications actually have some kidney protective effects. And in people who have diabetes and some early kidney changes from the diabetes, these medications may actually slow the rate of, uh, of any progression of kidney disease that they may have. They also have some cardiovascular benefits too in people who have had a cardiac event like a heart attack in the past. So these are the new classes of drugs that, that um, have actually been really significant game changers for people with type 2 diabetes. And they can sometimes take it with metformin, sometimes without metformin. Now, the question we're going to get asked, are the SGLT2 inhibitors also in pill form or are those just injectable? No, those are pill form. Those are, only, uh, those are taken orally. And now, what about, do people take both of them together? They can. They, they have been used together. Uh, some people have take metformin and these GLP-1 agonists and SGLT2 inhibitors if they need to, to help their glucose come down. And we don't know if taking them together um, has what we call additive effects on cardiovascular benefit, but they certainly individually as classes of drugs have been shown to have cardiovascular benefit. So, and, in, um, and in fact, they've, they've recently been shown to decrease heart failure risk, as I understand it, with or without diabetes even. The, you're absolutely right. The uh, SGLT2 inhibitors, for people who have heart failure, they have been shown to uh, reduce death, reduce, mort reduce mortality, and reduce need for hospitalization for heart failure in people with or without diabetes. Absolutely correct. Now, let's talk about the, the one real hope on the horizon, um, and maybe there are two. Um, I learned from Walter Longo today on a randomized study about uh, diabetes that seems to regenerate the type 1 pancreas. You may have been part of that study. I don't think it's published yet. Um, but by going on a, what he calls the fasting mimicking diet, which is a diet of low calories for five days a month. 
And he, what he says is it regenerates stem cells in the pancreas, which regenerates um, the beta cell in type 1 diabetics. You also talk about stem cells in this uh, book. In a, and, and this is just a wonderful, I should tell our audience, this is a wonderful book, Conquer Your Diabetes. Um, OneWord.com, if you want to look at the website, ConquerYourDiabetes.com. But talk to us a little bit, because you, you do have a chapter on stem cells. Yeah, so um, uh, we start off the, the chapter with a quote from a guy, a, a gentleman called Doug Melton. Doug Melton has a, uh, has a personal interest in stem cells. He is head of the Stem Cell Institute at Harvard uh, Medical School. Um, and his his personal goal is to cure diabetes because he has two kids with type 1 diabetes. And um, he has, uh, over the years, produced stem cells. These are obviously, a stem cell is a, a cell that's a, what we call a primitive cell that can be um, coerced, if you want, into doing certain things. In this case, obviously, producing insulin, becoming a beta cell. Uh, just last year, uh, some people may have read of an article in the New York Times that, uh, uh, about a trial that has been started in Boston using stem cells to cure type 1 diabetes. And um, certain criteria are required at this stage to be eligible for the trial. In this case, it was a person who really had life-threatening disease, life-threatening diabetes. This person received a stem cell transplant and uh, was able to come off insulin and therefore was cured. Now, how long? We don't know. Um, this is all clinical trial data, so this is not ready for prime-time clinical use, but there are clinical trials going on using stem cells in, in academic medical centers. Uh, the criteria to enter into those trials are fairly rigid. They have to be people who are have particular issues that... Um, Put them, make them more vulnerable for uh, early um, mortality. And uh, of course, at the moment with stem cells, you do need to take immunosuppressive therapy to stop the cells being rejected or stop the same immune process from destroying those cells that cause the diabetes in the first place. But the hope is that ultimately stem cells may even be encapsulated uh, in a way that blocks the immune system from getting in to attack those stem cells. And so there's a lot of work going on about stem cells and the hope for people with type 1 diabetes. I'm not familiar about with, with, the, with the fasting and the regeneration of beta cells, but I certainly am optimistic that ultimately stem cells will be, able, will be available to people with type 1 diabetes. And that's going to be uh, obviously a cure on the horizon. So very optimistic. Uh, the the until we have stem cells, we have smarter insulins, we have delivery systems, we have glucose sensing systems, we have these things talking to one another, and the and the software in these new pumps, for example, that mo that that are more for people with type one, but for some people with type two diabetes that deliver insulin, adjust the rate of insulin delivery based on the glucose reading that the sensor gives them. So it's also become the, 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 the whole technology field for helping manage diabetes has become, uh, has over the last 10 years. We've been talking with Dr. Martin, 
Abramson, A-B-R-A-H-A-M-S-O-N. The book is Conquer Your Diabetes. The website, conqueryourdiabetes.com. It's just a sensational book written really at the level that all of us can understand it. It's even good for physicians, if you will. It goes through um, every uh, aspect of the current uh, diabetes landscape, from the global prevalence to how many are undiagnosed. Um, and I guess there are uh, over, there will be, the prediction is over 700 million diabetics by 2040. This is a sensational book. It's even a, I think it's a great book to give as a gift as well. Conqueryourdiabetes.com. Dr. Abramson, thank you very much. Obviously, um, if you listen to this, you understand uh, that um, Dr. Abramson and Dr. Chopra have written a really great book. And if you want a consultation with them, can they uh, get a virtual consultation with you? Is there a setup at, I'm sure there is at, at uh, the Beth Israel Deaconess to be able to get a consultation um, through your normal? Sure there is. I mean, we just have to follow the, yeah. We gotta just be aware of what all the, the different states the rules are, but happy to help anyone. Um, yes. And uh, I will be glad to uh, say this is one of the great books we've reviewed over the years. So thank you very much. And we'll be back next week. Another A segment, the latest medical news of the week and what it means to you. Um, maybe we'll do even more information for heart failure patients on the uh, new, on the diabetes drug that has been shown to help uh, heart failure patients with or without diabetes, um, as well as um, the B segments, which are always wonderful guests like Dr. Abramson. Thanks again, Caitlin, thank you for great engineering. Remember, visit our um, sponsor's website, lifesfirstnaturals.com, especially if you exercise hard or take a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, uh, such as ibuprofen or even uh, baby aspirin, it does reduce in randomized controlled trials the side effects of those significantly. Lifesfirstnaturals.com, you can find the reference to the studies there. Thanks again. We'll be back next week.